Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. I'm the host. My name is Travis. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubazoo Network. You can find out more on hubazoo.com. And I want to thank my sponsors, Joyce ASEC of ASEC Real Estate, Mark Holmes, Army National Guard veteran of Reapers Detailing and Power Washing, and my supporters, Simper Savage Salad Dressing, Bottom Gun Coffee, and Quezon Shaving Company. So I'm just ecstatic. Uh, it's July, and this is number 301. I'm going to announce that in this show. And I'm excited to talk to Tony Owen of Operation Vet now. And I we kind of synced up over Alan Lacerda's podcast, I think for my service podcast. And, and Tony agreed to come on, and we're, we're syncing up now. Tony, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh I follow you guys quite a bit, so uh, I was really excited when uh, I got the invitation. Absolutely, absolutely, likewise. So, and I have a rarity here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking to an Air Force veteran, <laughs> like this mythical breed of human that you know flies high in the sky that we, you know, grunts and, and Marines never really get to contact with. Yeah, but but I, I, I'm here. So, and it's funny because. Um, I joined uh, the, the Marine Corps out of Bossier City, Louisiana, where Barksdale is. So you think I would have joined the Air Force and been smart, but I didn't do that, Tony. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your Air Force career, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, you know, cool thing here. I spent two years there with the B-52s at, uh, at Barksdale Air Force Base. So I know I uh, lived, uh, lived down in Bossier City for a while. And, uh, you know, I know some good spots there. You know, uh, there's a picture behind me of Robert Parrish which uh, I've born yeah. in Boston and stationed in Louisiana. So there was two connections there, but uh, now it's cool. I, I retired, uh, you know, back in 2006 uh, from the air force. I did 22 years active duty. Oh, wow. And I went in straight out of high school um, and uh, was a mechanic the majority of the time, uh, refueling on the flight line, refueling trucks. Um, so spent a lot of time doing that. Um, enjoyed it. Deployed a couple times. I'm, I'm a little older, so I was Desert Storm era. Spent about nine or ten months over there, um, moving around, and we were in several spots. But we were we're based out of Saudi Arabia, um, and uh, you know I stayed in there. Tra- tra- I uh, retrained into like a maintenance control job, monitoring maintenance, uh, and then I did a couple uh, stints in recruiting, um, which was very late in my career. But what got me a little bit of background in, uh, in what I did afterwards, I, uh, I did some time as a recruiter in North Carolina at High Point. Uh, and then I uh, went down to San Antonio, Texas and worked at the recruiting headquarters a couple of years. Uh, so I got to work in their marketing group uh, and got into a lot of event management, things like that. And uh, when, I, when I left the Air Force, that's what I did. But, um, you know, as far as my military background, you know, you're talking about your Marine uh, when we deployed and when we, we went on exercises, I did more with the Army, uh, but a lot with Marines as well. Um, we, in fact, when uh, when I was down in Louisiana at Barksdale, uh, we used to do this exercise where we would, um, you know, for basically we would convoy out to Army bases, you know, 30 minutes apart and we'd go out to Fort Stewart, Georgia. Honey, Arm- Hunter Armory Airfield's connected. So yep. the whole exercise was we go out with the Army, spend two weeks in a field you know, uh, joint, joint type of operations, uh, down to Fort Bliss, uh, Burns Flat, Oklahoma, you know, all over the place. So, um, 
uh, I, I always enjoyed that. Probably the least I spent was with the Navy. I was stationed out in the Azores Islands. Yep. And a couple Navy guys out there with me, uh, rescue, uh, you know, uh, rescued swimmers um, and a helicopter crew. Um, but spent a lot of time in Europe as well. Germany, England, uh, traveled all around. Uh, really liked that part of it. Uh, met my wife in England. She was she's an Air Force veteran. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, she did. She did four years. My daughter was born over there in RAF Lake and Heath Hospital. Um, you know, so we traveled as a family quite a bit. Uh, but I, I tell you, I, I um, and even part of this organization we started, uh, you know, uh, we, we love to, as you know, we love to jack each other. I don't care what branch you're in. You know what I mean? But uh, right, right. Uh, you know, those of us that know it, when we went out, you know, uh, in the real time together, um, you know, all jokes aside and, uh, you know, I, I always uh, use the analogy, you know, uh, my brothers and sisters, you know, fam by blood, uh, you, you, you know, you beat on each other, you call each other names, but nobody messes with you. And, and you know, that's why I looked at all my Marine, Army, Navy, Coast Guard buddies. So, well, I had some, you know, when I went in, it was right after Desert Storm and some of the sergeants and staff and COs were like, you know, it's all fun and games until you see the A-10s fly over. And then, you know, it was also fun and games when they, the B-52s would fly over them. And they knew somebody was going to, and we needed them, you know, that they cleared the way. Right. Um, and, and I just, for your personal opinion, you know, I don't think even now some of my fellow veterans appreciate what it takes to get a system like the B-1 bomber, uh, the, the A-10 or the, the um, F-16 flight worthy on time to deliver, you know, ordinance on target. Right. I mean, do you mind going, can you go into that just a little bit? If you, can, you, can you give me some perspective on that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my very first place I was stationed was RAF Bentwaters, and we had uh, A-10s there. Okay. And there was actually a joint base. There was over 100 aircraft at that base. Um, so I had a lot of experience with the A-10, and, and that, that's an excellent example. You know, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure at Army and the Marines, that, that was the best part of the Air Force, <laughs> you know, you know, close. Uh, we've, we've got a couple board members are really close to that. Uh, one of my buddies and a board member is uh, Dean Unger, retired E-9. He's a combat controller. So he was a guy on the ground guiding those bombs in. Right. Uh, you know, so Dean would go out and, and deploy with you name it, tier one, um, uh, you know, and, and call the targets in. But what it takes to get it there is actually, it's pretty amazing. You know, our weapons crews for these aircraft, I always say are like the unsung heroes. You know, these guys are dragging around like enough ordnance to like blow entire cities off the map on a daily basis, loading one aircraft. Um, you know, these are precision. You know, these aren't your everyday, you know, okay, you know, somebody made a bomb, let's hang it on a wing, you know, drop it somewhere, you know, so... Uh, give me an example, even way back in Desert Storm, when we launched the first night, uh, really America hadn't been to war since Vietnam. You know, we had some stuff in Panama, a few little things like that. And I was with F-111s. And, uh, you know, I went, I went in the middle of the night. Well, I say the middle of the night, probably about midnight. I was actually in a crash recovery crane sitting on a flight line thinking that we were going to do another exercise. Uh, then about 11 o'clock, somebody picked me up, took me to the headquarters hangar, and there's Colonel Lennon, our wing commander. Big flags, taking pictures, like, a, what's a photo session going on at midnight? You know, of course, if you know Air Force pilots, they're about the cockiest bastards you ever met, you know, for a reason. But uh, 
anyways, we we got all these these uh, you know these aircraft strapped up. Colonel Lennon was actually a Vietnam you know veteran. He flew combat missions there, so he knew what he was getting into. But he was leading a bunch of young guys, so they took off, uh, you know, loaded to the gills. I forget how many uh, you know launched that night. Um, you know, successfully hit Baghdad. Everything just cut off the eyes and ears of uh, of Iraq and came back. Well, that was just the beginning. You know, at that point, we started turning three three turns a night every day i'm talking like 45 days we never stopped so we'd launch maybe 35 40 jets right when it got dark then we'd turn 30 more of them then we'd turn 20 more of them every night and they were unloading so these bomb guys are just you know i don't know if you've ever heard of a uh, what a little vehicle called a jammer is yeah 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 so you know they're out there running around that flight line fuel trucks flowing i mean we're we're getting fuel out of basically waterbed mattress looking things. You know, you've seen fuel bladders out. In right, the field, right. The fuel bladders. Yep. Yep. Pumping them out of these little pumping units. Um, you know, and then, you, you know, you turn it over to the pilots themselves and the what we used to call Wizzos, the weapons officer in there, you know, so once they're in the air, the Wizzos on his laser guard and they had a, a thing called pave tack. And basically that's your laser on target, you know, and uh, you know, that was the original war when the, the strike videos came out, you know, they started sending them back and, that was our morale boosters. You know what I mean? We'd come back and at that time it was VCRs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but we watch them. But yeah, you know, you, you talk about that. You look at the A-10 guys, 30 millimeter Gatlin gun on the front of that thing, pumping out 3000 rounds a minute or whatever it is. You know, this pilot sitting in a titanium tub flying as about as close to ground, uh, you know, ground fire it is like, and I'm sure you've seen it firsthand as Marine. You know, these guys come in and uh, it's no joke. They, they know they're 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 a visible target to a, a ground like guy with a, a you know, uh, an AK-47, whatever. So um, I think that's what's cool. You know, that the part that a lot of people don't realize with the Air Force is we have more guys and girls on the ground than anybody would realize. These combat controllers. We have other guys called TACP, Tactical Air Control Party. Um, you know, obviously we have the pair of rescues going in rescuing. But these are all parts of your your deltas and your SEAL team, and you know um, uh, you just don't hear. It. They're not real big career fields, but that's that's our connection from the air to the ground. So we right, leave right. that base, and so a lot of moving parts. You know, I kind of jumped around there, but um, you know, and and like I said, when when a conflict kicks off, Afghanistan, Iraq, and they say, look, we need more bombs, we need more bombs. Uh, these pilots are flying hours and hours and hours. And, and like a B-1, a B-2, for an example, um, back in, I uh, can't remember the name of the conflict, the, the first one, the B-2 did, the stealth bomber, I think they flew 32 hours without landing. You know, so they're, they're taking, there's two guys in there, they're taking turns, taking naps, you know. So what goes into dropping a couple bombs is, is really pretty amazing, you know, the coordination and that, so. Well, thank you for that. And, and you know, I, I, yeah, we do jack with the Air Force guys. I remember being in, we had to go pick up some Marines from, uh, I think it was Edwards Air Force Base in California. I yeah, can't remember. Yeah. So we pull up to the Air Force Base and said, hey, go get some chow. We walk into you guys' chow hall <laughs> and we're like, what? It's like like prime rib stations. I mean, I'm exaggerating here. So it was very funny, but you know, we also know that, you know, when that pilot goes down or that aircraft comes back riddled with bullets, mm -hmm. you, your lives are just on the, on the line like ours is. So you do this for 22 years and you get out. 
What, what was that like? I'm always interested in what the long-term guys had to go through. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, again, coming straight out of high school. I enlisted when I was 17 oh, wow. um, to get out of town. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, in, so I really didn't know much else, you know, other okay. than high school. And, you know, I from, went from playing baseball and uh, it got in. So when I got out, um, moved back to my hometown, uh, you know, got a job, actually got a job in marketing. And, uh, well, actually, I, I take it back. I tried junior ROTC instructor. Uh, my buddy was doing it. Two guys I knew, they said, Hey, you're all set. I was like, all right, sounds good. That lasted about three months. I, uh, <laughs> I was like, this isn't for me. I mean, it is cool. It's a great job. Working with the kids is great, but I, I just, that school environment wasn't for me. So, um, I talked to uh, a couple of different buddies and, and I got some experience in marketing when, uh, that last tour I did with the air force at recruiting headquarters. So I decided to go that route. Over the years, use my GI Bill to get, you know, finish off my education, but um, it kind of went to work. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I didn't have, I, I kind of just disconnected myself from the military. Um, I was like, look, you know, I had enough of it. I loved it. Loved the people I was with is really what I loved about it the most. Um, you know, I, I reconnected with a lot of buddies recently uh, over the past few years and uh, um, it, but anyways, I, I kind of buried myself in work. I traveled a lot. Uh, the job had a little bit of an international base to it um, and, and just stayed my nose down. You know, uh, I changed job twice. Um, uh, and, you know, that was kind of my focus was stay so busy that you can't pay attention to what's going on around you. And that really wasn't the best move. Um, you know, it was, it was tough for my family because uh, – uh, you know, I was constantly on the move, always looking for somewhere to go again. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's all good. I, I'm great. I'm blessed with a good family. Um, but I didn't transition well. I, uh, I had a lot of trouble, you know. Uh, to this day, I still don't understand why a lot of things aren't like the military. And that, that probably is a bad way to look at things. <laughs> well, 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 no. And the reason I asked that, you know, for us, I served four years. And then I've talked to a lot of senior staff and COs and officers who made a career of it, who are kind of related to the same thing. Like, you know, it was an abrupt stop. Like I've had people tell me like, oh, there's, there's not some little E2, E3 with my paper and coffee waiting for me when I get to the head shed in the morning. I'm, I'm you know, there's no, yeah. I got to do my own travel, my own expenses. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, it's, it's a, it's a change. And then, I have to think too that you've made all these relationship connections over the years, and for all of us, that's gone. Yeah, and, and, and civilians do not operate the same way. Nothing against them, but it's it's not the same. It's not the same. Right. Is this where Operation Vet um, now? Now, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I got, I'm, I'm still thinking Jeff Owen for some yeah, reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want, I'm not perfect, folks. I, what can I say? But is this where Operation Vet now the seeds started germinating to create this? How did that get started? Yeah, you know, we and, and to make it easier, we everybody calls us OVN. You know that that's the easier one to remember. You know. Um, Cause they're, you know, they're the, it, like any organization, there's a, like, you, you know, like Oscar Mike radio, there's a meaning behind that name, but yeah, you know, um, I was out about, uh, I guess eight or nine years and, uh, 
um, I decided to get off the road and, uh, you know, really try to slow down and, and focus on things. And uh, a few years back with that transition, um, I think it was in 2015, but one of a good buddy of mine who's on our board, um, he told me about a guy that was in a, an old squadron that uh, took his own life. Combat medic, still on active duty, had young kids. Uh, and it started, you know, in my mind, it started, I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's bad. And something made me start looking into like veteran suicide. You know, um, I was kind of suffering, you know, uh, uh, you know, as we all do when we were in on active duty, you don't think about it when you're there, but when you leave and all of a sudden this stuff starts to sink in your mind a little bit and then it comes back and you start to wonder that wasn't normal, you know what I mean? Or, or how I'm feeling about that is not normal. And it was kind of a combination of these things. And I think when I heard that, it kind of triggered me to start looking at it. And then I started, I was totally oblivious to what was going on. Like I said, I just disconnected myself from the military. I was just trying, my, that was my goal. I said, Hey, let's do this civilian thing a thousand percent. You know what I mean? Right, right. Everything's gone. There's nothing hanging on my wall, nothing, you know? Uh, so I started seeing this 22 a day and I'm like, wait a second. This is like 22 like veterans a day are committing suicide. I was like, this can't be right. And uh, I'm a little bit analytical when it comes to certain things. And so I start digging and reading and I'm like, man, this is bad. This is, this is crazy. Uh, you know, and you start to relate and you look at the symptoms and, things that people are dealing with and you're like wow you know you you could see yourself you, you could see yourself uh you know i don't want to sp obviously i can't speak for you but situations and thoughts in your mind and all of a sudden you could spiral down that hole quick and you can see where i could see where a lot of guys and girls got there and uh so fast forward to a conversation with some other buddies i've been stationed with we started to talk. It was good for me. I reconnected with some, kind of found out where they were. A lot of a lot of our board is retired uh, military. Okay. Um, uh, my sister helps out on our board. She's probably the only one. She is the only one that's not not a veteran. Um, but the we said we got to do something about this. Well, and this is where I'll tell you a little bit about how OBN formed and why we do what we do. Um, we we went out and I kind of put myself, okay, I'm a veteran. I'm looking for help. And I went out and I, I was just totally mind boggled. It was like everywhere I turned, there was an organization said, we're a veteran organization for this. We help veterans for this. I was like, wow. So we, we went out and like talked to veterans. We did some surveys. Um, we went out different organ, you know, groups like a uh, wellness fairs. We saw and just, just kind of talked, collected some information. Um, and we asked veterans, where would you go? Uh, you know, if you needed help or, or whatever. And um, a lot of them didn't know, you know, they said, that, you know, the, the VA has always had a good or bad, you know, kind of feedback. We, you, you hear, it. you know, we hear it, the media grabs a hold of a bad story, uh, but there's a lot of good that goes on in the VA. Uh, but we, we heard mostly that the worst thing they ever did was like Google, how do I get help for PTSD? Um, That's the worst thing? Yeah. They said that okay. they, they were they would go on and they were asked for money. Um, they would submit a question and get, not get responded to or get an auto response. Like we we hear different things like, oh, yeah, we got an auto response that will answer you in 48, 72 hours. Nothing came back. And I'm thinking to myself, if there's a veteran, a guy or girl or whatever, in that state of mind and they're asking for help and nobody's responding, you want to talk about a feeling of hopelessness. 
you know, why, why would that be? And, and we found out in a lot of organizations, they're not just, you know, a lot of nonprofits are volunteer based. Um, they do the best they can, um, you know, but they're not resourced to, to follow up. So, you know, we kind of took it one step further, kind of looked at some organizations. The group of us in OVN looked at our backgrounds and, and I had been in like sports marketing, event marketing and all that since I got out. Same with Jeff Owen. Jeff works a lot with motorsports now, runs his own marketing company. Several other guys, sales, but a lot into lead generation on this. And we said, you know what? We found a lot of good organizations out there doing a lot of good things for veterans. And a lot of them were small, and they didn't know how to connect with those veterans. If you look at the data on a lot of veterans that, that we lose to suicide, they're not, I think it's right now, the numbers around 17 a day like 11 of that 17 are not connected to any kind of care. They're not registered with the VA or anything. That's correct. So we said, we got to close that gap. You know, we don't want to become another, hey, log in and get therapy today. Because, you know, I, like me, Jeff, we're like the last people you want giving you psychological <laughs> advice. You know what I mean? So, but that's where we said, let's take our background in marketing, our network and connections with the sports world, live events, different things, things we know veterans do for fun, low threat environment, and get out there and create the connection with the organizations we know that are moving the needle. And uh, therefore, that's kind of how our model, the first year we did a lot of research, a lot of questions, a lot of testing. Um, and then really in 2019, uh, we kicked it off with what we call uh, the Veterans Village. And that's where we'll go into any town in the U.S. Uh, we do ma mainly with sports um, because we see a lot of veterans go to sporting events. A lot of post. We really look hard for the post 9-11 veterans. Um, they're the ones that don't go to the VFWs. They don't go to the American Legions. Uh, you know, they're in. Uh, and, and so we find a lot of them at, you know, um, extreme sporting events, um, th things of that nature. But we'll go into a town, give you an example. We're in Minneapolis uh, the very first weekend of the year. We went to a snowcross race up there, pro snowcross. Um, and, 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 you know, we'll talk about like one of our ambassador athletes uh, when we want to get to that. But we go out to the vet center there. Um, we went out to a group called the VetMX Foundation, which does things, uh, veterans that race motocross, but it's all over the U.S., uh, several organizations like that. We bring Mission 22, we bring them all in. And they set up their own booth in one area, and we call that the Veterans Village. And what we do, OVN, is we raise money. We cover the logistics cost of that. So we get them to space. We network with the series to get them to promote it. And we negotiate hard to get it for, like, I, literally, we get it, like, next to nothing compared to, you know, your big product sponsors and things like that. And then we connect with some of the pro athletes that are willing to help, to help promote it as well. So when we get in there... Um, we're, we're right there when we meet veterans there, veterans, family members are a big thing, but, um, that, that's, uh, basically an example of one we'll do. We use local and national work a lot with the VA, uh, the veterans experience office. Um, we can get a guy or girl registered for the VA right in the veterans village connected to different organizations. And then we have a resource table, like a lot of organizations that can't come to all these events, uh, that we know, uh, we'll bring them in. Um, so, oh. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no problem. So, is Operation Vet now listening to this? When I hear the name now, mm -hmm. it's about now. 
So that veteran comes to your village, that veteran, you know, reaches out to you all. Is, is that the focus where you can, you can deliver, you know, aid, assistance, knowledge, education, counseling, maybe not you directly, but right. people, you know, direct, but, but now right. it has to be now. Right. Stupid question here, but, but just, just walk with me. Why is now so important? You've already kind of alluded to it, but let's say it again. Why is now so important to what you all do? Well, you know, now, now actually means, you know, meeting veterans needs through end, the endless opportunities that we can find all focused on the veterans wellness, mental wellness. Now is important because, uh, well, 17 is better than 22 at date. 17 is a ridiculously high number. Um, we can't, we can't wait on, um, you know, the more money we see put out there by political whatevers and, Hey, here's a million dollars. We got to stop this. Everybody, we want a sense of urgency with what we're doing. We can't build a program and say, Hey, let's, you know, down the road. I mean, we tell everybody, do you realize, uh, and I tell this to the to VA and, and the folks that I give feedback to there and all that. I said, while you develop your process, remember what happens every day. We lose 17 or more every day. So as you develop and you get your digital, you know, and I have to watch here because I get a little bit of, <laughs> I get a little bit emotional about this, but uh, every day is literally lives lost. So we, we're a very small organization, but we get, we get out to several states. You know, we're, we kind of hit the Eastern United States. Um, and through a new program, we've been able to reach more. But that's really why we say now. You know what I mean? We, we, we have to look for every opportunity we can to, to connect those veterans to the care that exists. Because there is a lot of great things going on for veterans out there. I mean, I could just go on and on about the organization. What you're doing right now, th this is what we need more of. You know, we need guys like you getting out there and, and elevating this message to say, hey, there's hope, guys and girls, you know. Well, that's, that's the basis of, of, of how this got created. But you, you, you bring me back to a point you made earlier and that, that I try to articulate is, we'll just let the VA develop a program or in, in the program will help out. I'm like, the VA is well-intentioned. I'm not going to badmouth the VA, but right. You, right. I, I want people to understand, right, that, you know, we got, you know, having the program, you know, set up, you know, research executed and then measured and, and before they even do it wholesale. I mean, that could take a two years. Right. 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 And, and, and so before we go into the actual programs themselves, because, you know, they're cool. How did you compact that time frame of, okay, we're going to develop this, this event, this, this mission focus, this program and then turn around where the veteran gets that connection quicker. Because that seems to me to be the real difference between you and other organizations is you all truly are focused on now. Right. Well, you know, a little bit of back about why and how the, the, the mission and the model we created. Like I said, we didn't create another one, a call center for us to, you know, start the process for therapy. We, we knew that wasn't our strength. But our strength is uh, the ability to reach a target audience. We, we understand that from a, first of all, we're all veterans. So we, we kind of know that part of it, but we don't make any assumptions. But we said, how can we get to them uh, the fastest, most personal and most direct manner? 
And, and this is where we said in our model, when you talk about now, it's not, while social media and the computer has the reach and frequency that is, is amazing, it, there's, it's really hard to make that connection when somebody's in need to say, okay, what do I do now? Because the, the, the ad is meant to be broad. And, and it's, it, it, again, this is what I, I tell the VA. I said, you're not going to, it's going to help. But you got to get out from behind the desk. You got to get out, and you got to do. When, when I see the word outreach on all these offices, that that desk should be empty the majority of the time. You should be out there in your community. You should be in front of your veterans, your 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 community influencers, creating that connection. You know, part of our our charter with this this veterans village in OVN is is to educate our community. How can our community that says thank you for your service, how can you really pay that off? And say when there's a veteran need, how do you connect them? So back to your 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 question, we feel that getting out there at events, creating that connection is how we can accelerate that. Uh, we try to follow up with every organization. So if I give a guy a phone number or a girl a phone number, I can I've contacted organizations say, hey, uh, John's going to be calling you, okay? And I say, hey, John, ask for Sue when you when you dial in there. You know what I mean? Oh wow, okay, so that- and. And, and some veterans don't want that. You know, they're like, no, 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 you know, I'll do it on my own. And, and that's fine. But if we if we see somebody uh, like that, um, we try to personalize as much as we can handle. Um, but a lot a lot of the organizations that are that we bring in, they accelerate that. So back to what we say now, well, if I bring my vets, give an example. So uh, in 2018, we we were just starting out. We had a motorcycle run but we brought the Veterans Village in. We set all these organizations up, had the Vet Center. Just had a meeting with a buddy, Marine uh, Lee, the other day. And uh, fast forward about a young lady, Army veteran, uh, that took a job in outreach uh, um, to help veterans. That connection started way back in 2018 when he met her at our event and, and that individual was in need of help. Uh, so fast forward, that was successful. They got into some some help needed. She decided to take on a new role to help other veterans, tell tell them what how she did it. And now she actually got a full-time job in outreach. And that's where we circle back and say the connection was made. You know what I mean? And and that veteran now has a, a good support group. And we try to make monitor, you know, kind of maneuver them in there because an example is a lot of veterans you mentioned there, they don't want anything to do with the VA. And that's fine with us. But what we want to make sure there's a lot of other resources out there to get them help now. Um, you know, uh, there's a group out there called Vets for Warriors. Runs a 24-7 call center. Uh, all, all the calls are answered by veterans. Um, an amazing organization. Any kind of help they need. It's just not a crisis line. Uh, you know, and they work together with some, uh, some Army guys that started uh, Stop Soldier Suicide. You know, and uh, so there's... I just say those two right off the cuff, but we work with them and there's a lot of ways to, to get help there. So, so again, now is what it's all about to me. You know, how can we get out there now? I guess the next question that comes to mind before we dive into the programs is you're, you're an outreach based organization, action oriented. How did COVID-19 and all the restrictions affect your ability to execute your mission? Well, that was tough. Um, you know, Again, when we say hey, everybody get out from behind your desk, get off the computer, that's where everybody was, you know, during COVID, everybody working, whatever. Uh, 
we didn't do much. We did a couple uh, test runs. Uh, they, a couple of the events were still going on. Um, so we did some things online, some promotions where uh, we could get veterans to register to get more information. Uh, and we did that. We followed up with that. We got a couple hundred in, I guess, 2020 was the year that COVID was so bad, maybe, or 2019, I'm not sure which. Uh, but that was tough. Uh, I tell you, you know, I, I, we had a board meeting and I told him, I said, I, I don't know if we're, I don't know what to do. You know, I mean, our model that we build is getting out. Um, obviously, we don't want to, you know, create, you know, it was a real challenge. So, um, but we, we struck, you know, we kind of struggled through it. We created some alternative ways um, and uh, we kept pushing a message out there. You know, I, I didn't mention before our messaging is for 2022 started is be there for our veterans. You know, we, we, we try to keep this thing simple. You know what I mean? Uh, it, we live in a complicated world. And point blank, if we be there for our veterans, text them, DM them, call them, email them, just do it. You know, uh, in, in 10 seconds, I guarantee you, you could think of somebody right away that you serve with. I, I could call that dude and check on them or that girl. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we veterans, we need to do that. And, and people that know veterans. So COVID was tough. You know, um, we, you know, I won't, I won't kid anybody. We, we just felt like we were failing that year. Um, we, we were not designed to be a digital, you know, uh, right, right. You know, it, we, we want to be there. We want to get out there. So, um, but we struggled through it and, uh, you know, uh, you know, God's blessed us and we hung in there. People have supported us. And in 2022, late 21, we, we really kicked it back up again. Uh, and this year is so far, we, we've just been, uh, like I said, um, with the different parts of the program, we, we, I can touch on, we've really made some strong connections. So, so I'm glad it's over. So, <laughs> Well, I, I'm, I'm, you know, going through the, the website, going through your social media, and, and the first program that I want to talk about is the Fallen Heroes Project. And you go to the website and I'll have the link in the Oscar Mike Radio show post, ladies and gentlemen. And there, there's, you know, click on it now. And, and you have your, um, you know, salute and then you have a whole wall yeah. of people that you remember. How did, how did that come to be? Well, you know, again, we, we talked about a lot about what OVN is and helping veterans get connected to care. Um, several years ago, I uh, worked with some pro race teams, uh, snowmobiles, different things, car, you know, race cars, things like that. We, we decided uh, at one event, I can't remember exactly which one it was, um, with a team called uh, Sharing Speed Sports. Uh, Steve Sharing's owner's dad's an Air Force veteran. Um, he's always supported. He's had some sponsorships with, from the military and things like that. But the guy is just a class act. Uh, and, uh, you know, they race in about 10 different states. And um, we said, hey, Steve, what if, what if we put, let's honor somebody from the local area where this race was. And uh, he's like, yeah, let's, we'll put the name on the snowmobile. Um, you know, we'll put it on there and, and we'd love to do that. So we did it and the feedback was phenomenal. The, the series asked us to keep doing it. Well, other people saw it and said that. And, and so fast forward, I mean, within like three weeks, we had a board meeting and we're talking about this thing and everybody on our board has lost somebody and they're like you know what i mean it just turned into this thing where we we finally put a name on it a year or so ago and you know called it the fallen heroes tribute project so basically when obn goes out and does an event 
we always take part of that and we honor somebody who, who lost their life serving our country. Um, doesn't necessarily mean they died in combat, but we know our training is no joke. We lose guys and girls, you know, out in the field training, a lot of things like that. And, you know, I know Gold Star, I know many more Gold Star families now, but these families are just, I mean, they're, you know, they're our families, you know what I mean? And we cannot, and this is where we all had this conversation that we, we, we said to ourselves, we cannot let these guys and girls be forgotten, you know, and these families need to know that there's organizations that aren't thrown in. And I love the stuff on social media, you know, where they honor somebody that's lost. I, you know, to see that face, see that name is so important. But we said every time we do it, again, get out from behind the desk, put some effort into this and honor this guy or this girl the right way. Let more people say their name, hear their story, see their face, you know, keep that legacy alive. And uh, it, it just, it just, it blew up from there. And and it's, it's the thing that we are the most honored and it's the easiest to do because I, I just look every day for another opportunity to honor one of my brothers or sisters that we lost, you know, serving this country. Um, and that's where the Fallen Heroes tribute, we, we honored over 300, I think now. We just came off Saturday night with, I don't even know how to put it into words. We had about a hundred members of Gold Star families with us at a NASCAR event. And, uh, you know, we had some a great ceremony, honor guard taps. You know, we had a couple of Blackhawks fly over. Uh, and had those families down on the track. And every NASCAR, the race cars, which they've done for a long time, had a name of a fallen hero on there. We had some Marines there from the unit, uh, you know, that one of their, their teammates were on cars, family members, th th things of that nature. And we, we just lifted those names up and, and spent some time with those families. We ate hot dogs and hamburgers together. We walked on there. Um, and we got comments that, just, I mean, you can imagine, you know, you served, you know, you know, for a family member to tell me, you know what, for a few minutes, I felt like he was sitting, my son was there with us again. You That's know? something I wanted to ask is a lot of Gold Star families, and I know some, unfortunately, um, a lot of them suffer alone and deal with that loss every day alone. Can yeah. you tell me what it was like having that many families together, understanding why they were there, but you know, having that five minutes, what was that like for them? What was I, what was that like for you? Uh, to me, it was just, it was an amazing experience to walk and each of them want me to, they, they went, they told us the story of their son or daughter, but you know, not only what they did in the service, but oh yeah, they were a track star in high school and, you know, just reliving that moment. And, and I, I'll tell you one, two second mess sure. up we had at the event but that actually showed how important this was to the family. So we had a Marine that was identified to be on a race car. We didn't have his name on there and we got down on the track and somehow there was a communication failure between the series and all that. And, and uh, I can take the blame for it, but we, we got out there, all the cars were there and the mother was there, uh, the Marine and uh, she couldn't find the name of her son on a car. And uh, we looked on the list and, and it got switched somehow. And um, she, she was devastated. She said, this cannot happen. She said, he, he's, this cannot happen. And I got to thank the series. And there's a guy, Henry, worked for them and some of the guys in NASCAR. They had it and went to this driver and said, hey, look, there, there was a mess up. He had his crew out there. They flipped this thing, had the name on there. 
And I got two Marines to talk to the mom. And those Marines had had her smiling in a second because she was telling two Marines the story of her son. We took her down and she saw the name on that car. She lit up. She hugged me. She said, she said, you, I cannot thank you enough. This means you did not forget my son. And I said, oh, man. ma'am, I said, you know, what do you say? I couldn't say nothing. I got no words. You know what I mean? So just a little thing like that. And I saw that and to civilians that were there with me that didn't know anything about the military were helping with the event. They looked at me and they're like, holy cow. Yeah, it's like, that's this, this lady's son. He was 22 years old, you know, fighting in Afghanistan and, and we lost him. And uh, so that's just an example of what we see out there and uh, how hard we work to make sure that never happens. But if anything happens, we'll correct it. But but people I need to know, I tell people every day, they have no idea what that means to them when people take the time to honor, recognize, and remember their sons and daughters. I was gonna do this later, but I'll do it now. You know, what does that kind of interaction do for you? Because running a nonprofit is hard on a good day. When there's challenges, it's even harder. Um, you know, you have all these concerns, money, financial, fiduciary oversight, you know, all that stuff, right? Right. But, but that moment in time, you know, what was, what, what was, were you thinking this is worth it? Uh, you know, all the, did all the hassles and frustrations go away in that moment? Yeah. You know what? That's what you're exactly right. That's what keeps you going. You know, you, you sit down and it's like, Oh, geez, you had to file this thing. Okay, you have to do this report. You have to have the board meeting. You know, you have to have this. And, and it's like, when you walk away, you're like, that's why we do this. That's why we do this. You know, you put all these administrative things in that side. Um, and like I said, I can't put it in, you can't put it into words. You know what? And obviously we as veterans, we have a, a strong connection to this because you know, we're standing, we know the faces that are tied to the, a lot of those names, you know, you know, I think of the guys um, that I served with that I lost, you know, that I've had on a few different things that we've honored. Um, but that, it, that you're exactly right. You know, sometimes it's just like the COVID thing we talked about. It's like, geez, I don't think, you know, that cut, cut it loose, man. I, I could go do other things with my time, hang out, do whatever. But um yeah, just walking off that, walking off like the story here and that the other day about the girl that was an army vet and now she's here. Thinking to myself, we could have lost her along the way, but we didn't because, you know, we we did this thing. And we always say that if we just save one person, every second, every ounce that we put into this is worth it. So, so yeah, that, that, that mom's my best, uh, you know, we're, you know, she must have hugged me 12 times. You know what I mean? And, and it, it was just, and, and a lot of moms that I met, moms and dads out there, it was re really a great experience. You get all the support from, you know, elite level athletes in the NASCAR community uh, and the civilians that support NASCAR. But the one thing that I really, you know, latched onto was going to the Operation Bet Now website and checking out the ambassador athletes and realizing a lot of these were veterans like me competing at their own high level. That was, that just, I got stoked about that. I've been waiting to talk to you about that, Tony, because, yeah. you know, I, I do weightlifting now at a, at, a, at a high level for my age, but I mean, there's some savage badasses on this yeah. thing. 
Yeah. How did you get all these people? And, and what's it like for them? Because, I mean, I, I, first one, I got the website here, so I don't get the names wrong. Uh, Lakeitha Key Barrett. Yeah. Pro women's football player, for example. You've got, you know, jujitsu competitors, um, motocross, boxers, uh, national shooting people, a lot of motocross. I love motocross. I need to know the deets, Tony. How did this happen? Because nobody represents a veteran like a veteran. Yeah. Nothing against, you know, people in the VA and civilians that advocate for us. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. But, you know, we talk on a different wavelength than somebody else. So to see these people operating at this level and then supporting you all, I'm like, I'm in. I got to know more. So how, how, how did this happen? I tell you what, uh, I, I tell you all, I, I, we want more of them. But I tell you what, these all 11 to 12 of these men, I love these guys and girls. I mean, they, to see these athletes with a passion to help their fellow veterans is amazing. And, and you know, it goes back to a young lady. We tip, typically, they're all veterans except one. And it's a daughter of a Marine, a Vietnam era Marine. And I met her dad uh, several years ago. She raced pro snow bikes. And uh, we got him. He actually visited the Veterans Village up there in Minneapolis. We got him some information on the VA, and we talked through that. He had not been doing anything, you know. Oh, an amazing guy. He says, uh, I said, what are you doing at the race? Just, you know, you, you, you know, like the sport or whatever? He goes, oh, no, my daughter's racing. Oh, really? I thought, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, she's a pro snow biker. I'm like, oh, yeah. So he brought her over there and introduced us. Long story short, uh, Jackie wanted to help. She's like, look, this whole suicide prevention, but, you know, uh, honor. And she really, I mean, she really, really took to like the Fallen Heroes tribute. She wanted to be part of that. And we said, sure, we could, you know, you're a pro athlete. you got a great platform. She does some podcasts on her own, you know, in her sports side of it. So we did a couple of test things and uh, she helped us promote it. You know, the, the veteran suicide prevention and getting people to the village. Uh, she would come by and visit. And then, for the last two seasons, we did a special tribute to women that uh, had fell or were killed in combat. And she had a different w- w- uh, lady on her uh, snow bike every race and, and would do that. So what happened was, and then about a year ago, I, I said, you know, you, you've been such an ambassador for us. And I started, I had talked to other athletes and so on. And it got me thinking, you know, it'd be interesting to get more athletes involved or whatever. It's just kind of a thought here and there. So fast forward, I, I see this kid, Connor Matthews out of Boston, Connor's MMA fighter, combat controller in air force, did a tour in Afghanistan. Uh, so I, I reached out to him. I talked to him, my, my buddy, Dean, uh, he, you know, he's a combat controller, but he didn't know him very well. You know, uh, Connor did, I think six years and got out. That was his dream, be a pro MMA fighter. Well, we got on the phone and we started talking and, He's like, yeah, you know, Connor's going to 90 miles an hour, man. You know, the kid's just like all energy and all that stuff and just an amazing athlete. And it, I don't know how many times he said to me in this conversation, yeah, Tony, anything I can do like to help veterans, they can call me, give, feel free to give them my number. He didn't know what to do. He just wanted to help. And I said, dude, you know what? I said, you got a platform here. You got 10,000 followers on Instagram. You know, at that point, he was close to that. I was like, if, if you want to do this, I said, let's work together. Um, so he helps with some different things. So he started doing a free jujitsu class on Sundays to like veterans, 
uh, first responders. And that was kind of his way to give back. Well, we've been working with Connor for over a year and, and we are so excited because August, I got to get their date right. I think it's August 2nd. He's at the uh, Dana White um, out at the U UFC Apex in Vegas. He's fighting. So he wins. He's got a contract. He wins this. He's in the UFC. This has been this kid's goal. And, and he's an animal. You know what I mean? And uh, so you, you got to Connor, the controller, Matthews. So Connor was like our, our real first, second athlete. Uh, then he got me introducing to, I got to shout this out because tonight, uh, Army Rangers, Sean, the unpredictable one, Lally, <laughs> and uh, he's fighting tonight. Yeah, I'm seeing his picture right now. This, 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 this dude's no joke. And let me tell you something, and I know Sean won't mind. We've had this conversation online before. So these athletes, as we move along through these, many, almost all of them have suffered from the, the, the results of combat. Okay. You know, they've had trouble transitioning. Let me tell you, Sean, I won't tell Sean's story because Sean tells it very well, but he battled addiction and everything when he got out of the Army. And this dude had fought hard. He went through the VA program, got help. And he, again, same thing. I'm ready to tell other veterans how we can get better, how we can do this together. You know, some of us, you got to get, whether it's getting clean and sober, where it's getting like mental health help, whatever it is. But Sean is now, uh, he manages um, big boxing gym in, in Boston. And he decided to still fight some. And this guy, I I'm telling you, he's about as intimidating as, as you can be. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, it, it just love him, man. I mean, he, this guy's just got such a passion for life now um, and, and uh, just a cool dude. So, yeah, he fights tonight. I think it's he's on the card as the pro fight. Um, and then uh, but, you know, we've got, you know, some motocross guys are really up and coming. Uh, kid uh, Obi, well, it's his nickname, Obi Trice. He's, he's still active duty Coast Guard. He's a medic in the Coast Guard. He is actually trying to qualify for the Nationals, which is uh, they call the Loretta Lynn Nationals, um, a week from Saturday and Sunday in Pennsylvania. So that's a big deal for him. Another one, Obi actually sees a lot of people on active duty that suffer from a lot of the issues, the PTSD, traumatic brain injury, um, mental illness, depression. Um, I, you know, that's one thing we always tell people. There's a lot of us a lot of, of, of suffering who still wear the uniform. The suicide rate in active duty and reserve guard military is still, it's bad. I mean, if people have been watching news lately, the DOD says, hey, we, we failed at this. I mean, they admitted it this year. Um, so uh, we, we love to get that active duty component. Um, we got a couple army veterans. Uh, they're married out in Utah and uh, they do some bike racing, but uh, they're in this three gun shooting competition, which is really cool. And they got a big one coming up in Utah, uh, High uh, Desert Three Gun. Staff Sergeant Crystal Perry. Yeah. Yep. And her husband Craig, and uh, good dude, artillery guy in the army, I believe he was. So, but back to the program, and that's how it started. You know, actually, Crystal saw Jackie competing in snow pro snow bike and contacted us and said, "Hey, how do you get involved in this?" We would like to do this. And so we got on a Zoom call just like this. We talked through it. And we asked every, every athlete, every veteran, they fill out a questionnaire for us. Just a little bit about where you serve, what you do. But the bottom line is we ask, why do you want to be part of OVN? Why do you want to be an ambassador athlete? What does this mean to you? Um, and that's where we really see it. You know, they, they lay it out there. I got on with Crystal and Craig. And again, 
the passion to help their fellow veterans. You know, that's what it's all about. Obi, Alex, got another kid, Alex, Navy veteran. He, uh, he worked uh, the F-18 uh, fighters on a, on a, a bat, or a aircraft carrier. Uh, he's recovering from a bad hip injury. He had a bad wreck uh, in one of the national qualifiers. So he's hanging in there. He's a good dude, been with us a while. Um, but you can see him all. Don Prescott, old guy I was stationed with, flight engineer on, uh, on uh, H-53 helicopters, uh, yeah. service special tactics unit. So, you know, he retires and decides to run Ironman competitions. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, guy's amazing. He ran one back here, but he, he wanted to help. So he puts he made a jersey with a big OVN logo, talks about it, ran in honor of some other flight engineers that were killed in combat. Uh, Key, you mentioned Key, you know, Lakeisha. Key, Army veteran, I think about six years in the Army. She was supply. Uh, but uh, this pro football thing, uh, it got shut down during COVID, but the Pittsburgh passion is, is big time. They're actually on their way to Tampa. I believe it's July 11th, and they're, they made the playoffs. Um, and there's actually a couple other lady veterans that play. And then those ladies are no joke. They're, they're a hell of a football team. I, I've watched some of it and I'm like, they are no joke. Literally like uh, they take it seriously, but it, it was really exciting to see this, you know, these other veterans who, you know, maybe suffered some trauma, you know, in different levels of their life, military career or post-military career you know, stepping up and saying, hey, I want to take this a little further and make sure I give back. And, and this kind of support just really, you know, underscores the need for what you all do. Um, you know, as we wind down here, and, you know, this is one of those kind of talks, uh, <laughs> Tony, we could do for a couple hours. I'm just yeah. learning so much. But as we wind down here, you've kind of gone into what is next event-wise, but program-wise and mission-wise, you know, what's on the horizon for uh, OVN? operation but now well uh we you know we have um and i'll be happy to share i should have sent you some of that stuff you know a little bit of our, our plan and all that but the athletes are a big part of it um they they're keep like i said we we're 100 percent volunteers nobody gets paid in OBN, not one cent um you know so we and we want to keep it that way um well, you know we're all about that but we all have full-time jobs but the athletes would like to take on more. Um, I, I think the important part is that that I don't want to take light of is our veterans that are athletes use their sport as their therapy. You know, uh, Connor, Sean will tell you jujitsu is their go-to. Um, you know, getting on that bike, those motocross guys call it throttle therapy. You know, um, so it's really important and we really want to grow that program. We're looking for some sponsorships for them like everybody else. Um, what we do is, as OVN with my sports background, we try to connect them, but we don't get involved in the, you know, the contractual thing between them and the sponsor. So, um, but we are always looking for veterans to connect with and grow there. Uh, an example was Liz Carmooch. I don't know if you know Liz Carmooch is a, a she just won her first title was a Marine. Um, and Liz went out and helped us with our logo uh, on there. She did a really nice video uh, about veteran suicide prevention. She has a hell of a story. You, you ever hear of the Lioness program in the Marines? I have not, no. Neither did I until I met her. And, and it's where they actually take female Marines and they go in to like those direct combat zones and they do like the pat downs on a female they may uh, apprehend or whatever. And, uh, so, um, but really we want to grow that. And then our outreach side, our Veterans Village, 
is keep getting that into bigger and bigger events. You know, it's all about affordability. Um, a lot of the bigger events, we need more money to get space there. And, and we understand that they're running a business, you know, we, but they do, we have a lot of, a lot of organizations like the World Snowcross series, they get us in cheap and they do so much over the top for us. Uh, and again, they did a pro bono video on veteran suicide with pro racers for us. It's on our YouTube channel. Again, it was, you know, really nice. So we want to grow that. And, and we talked about it. That's our three programs, the Fallen Heroes Tribute, the OVN's Veteran Village Outreach, and then our Ambassador Athletes. Our goal is to really solidify those three throughout the year. Now that we're out of COVID, we got things going. So, um, you know, we work on some uh, funding for that. Um, uh, I'll tell you, and, and I'll be the first to admit, we're horrible fundraisers. So, <laughs> so uh, um, we're, well, we're focused that's... on the mission. So, yeah, and that, that was my, my last question for our conversation is how how can somebody watching this right now, you know, help you uh, and support what you all are doing who may not be an athlete or a veteran, but, you know, is, is you know, reson- your, your mission is resonating with them. Yeah. You know, when uh, we got to get, we have, you know, our, our website, we try to keep it up as much as we can and our social media, what events are coming on. But um, it doesn't matter where you are in the United States, if you're interested in just coming out and helping veteran or non-veteran just go into you know uh, www.opvetnow.org um, or all of our social media stuff is operation vet now instagram and facebook are our you know our biggest platforms you can message us through that's how we have a lot of people connect with us um, veterans that want to be athletes um, just reach out to us and we'll review it and it's all about capacity right now we we try to you know get as much as we 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 can um, but as we grow, we want to take on more because it, it, to us, it's so important to support these veterans careers after the military. And that, you know, this is their passion. Like you said, you, you competed post post uh, uh, serving and, and you need that support to know other veterans are there for you. That's another way you can support. Get on and follow our athletes on social media. Pump them up. Watch their fights, their races. Uh, you know, they those little comments on their post about how they're they did in this competition are huge you know uh so those are the biggest ways you can always donate through the website there's a button on there to donate um or you know contact us directly and we appreciate everything like that that's pretty much how we run we don't work on any grants it's just people that donate some companies will come out and do a fundraiser for us and we couldn't be more appreciative of that i mean it really really helps keeps the wheels moving and it's amazing when we start looking like, wow, it's running thin, somehow out of nowhere, somebody comes through and says, hey, we want to help. And, uh, you know, the results as best we can are on the website, on social media. We try to share that. But I'm telling you, one thing I want to tell everybody is if you see it on our website and you see it on our social media, it's not a digital ad or a digital yeah. promotion. It's something live that took place out there in front of our veterans with our gold star families and so on. So that, that's, that's our, that's our IMO, you know what I mean? Getting out there and being, being in, uh, in live fire. So. Awesome. 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 Well, I'm with Tony Owen, U S air force uh, veteran retired. He got out and, you know, with, you know, some, some people who are of like mind created operation vet now and the focus is on now. And Tony, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing with me. Uh, these kind of missions really, you know, motivate me and fuel my desire to see veterans, uh, you know, have, you know, their best life, no matter where they are, what they're doing. And uh, I wish you all the best 
on your future endeavors. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Thanks for what you're doing, man. Uh, this is good. Like I said, I listened to a lot of your shows. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, as we say in Oscar Mike Radio, Tony, and, and to close us out, Mission in Flight. But I'm going to say Mission in Flight now. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. <laughs>